don't say now. You're tuned into the Wake Up and Win podcast. I am your host for today, Spencer Shea. Okay, he let me drive the boat, so here I am trying not to crash out. <laughs> Alongside me in the studio is D-Boy. How you feeling, my man? Hey, I'm good. We got this. We All got right. this. Yeah, we got this. Zeb in the booth. You already know what it is. And on special call in an undisclosed location in the beautiful state of Oregon is none other than Devon Pouncey. Oh, what? You thought? <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he found his way somehow, some way. <laughs> Yes, sir. Yes, sir, man. We getting your tape ready. You never know what opportunity is going to come next. Hey, hey, man. Right here. This is your demo. Hey, man. And they're going to keep coming, bro. And thank God for the beautiful city of Oregon. We're filming this one on Valentine's Day, February 14th. So uh, we're going to start real quickly with wind shares. And since I guess I am driving this ship today, I'll give you mine. So this coming weekend, you'll be hearing this on Thursday is the last weekend, the last final two home games for Pacific University, where I myself will be on the call on Friday night. We got me on color and the esteemed Devon Pouncey. He's going to be doing play-by-play for probably the last game. No, not probably. The last game you're going to do for the season for Pacific, right, P? Yes, sir. That's right. That's it. And then on Saturday, senior night, I'm going to be on the call. Probably by myself. So tune in to GoBoxers.com and check us out. Now, a little bit of subtext for this season coming up. Pacific University, as you know, if you listen to this podcast, you hear that we, you know, obviously Devon and I call these games and we talk quite extensively about the seasons that they've had, you know, over the last few years going on almost seven years we've been doing this podcast. And this is the first time that I got the keys. So... (laughs) Uh, so think about that for a second. But what, what's interesting? So what's interesting about this season is is that if if the men's where it stands today is that the women have already clinched, they're going to be in the postseason. So we'll be on the lookout for that. We'll be able to report back. I'll definitely be at any of these postseason games, which most likely will end up in uh, Salem for the women. And so we'll report back on that. But then for the men on the other side of things, they have already accomplished their first winning season since 2013 and 2014. So already about a decade-long absence of having a winning season in general. And then the basketball gods have shined down upon them and have granted them access to holding the keys to their own destiny. If they win out in these final two games, then they will have made the postseason, which will mark for Pacific University likely the very first time that both of those two teams, the men and women respectively, have made the postseason simultaneously since, I mean, at least 2000 and probably before I was born. So you're going to want to check that out. Go to GoBoxers.com and stay tapped in as we round out the season. That's it for me. Uh, any D-Boy, let's start with you. You got any win shares you'd like to share yeah, with us today? Yeah, March 1st. We got a show at Bossa Nova, baby. Bossa Nova Ballroom. Bossa Nova Ballroom. Oh, yeah. Yep, March 1st. We got DJ Gutter Butter. We got Slimmy B. We got EBK Jock. So it's going to be a good one. Come pull up. Come see us. I will be performing. I've been getting asked a lot lately. When's your next show? When are you performing again? So here you have it. You heard it here first. March 1st. We will be on that stage. And that's what I like to hear, D-Boy, because, you know, I'm actually, I got the itch again. See, and I'm about to be playing again. I know. And here's the thing, man. Like, we stay so tapped into all the sports stuff. You know how we do on this podcast and just in our lives in general. Right, we're right. so we're so tapped into sports 
and we'll get to some of the sports antics that you've been up to Facts. over this past weekend yes, we here will. momentarily. Yeah. But, I mean, Devon, you know what I'm talking about. You stay so tapped into sport, and we try to keep the musical and the cultural and just the, I mean, even the social part of our lives right. going while we're trying to, you know, navigate the, the bulk of the sports we season. We do a lot. We do a lot. And so now that that's about to, like, you know what I'm saying, crest, mm -hmm. maybe not for Devon, and he'll share that momentarily, but, you know, it is, uh, it's just nice to feel that lift and be able to say, okay, now I can focus my attentions back on the music and the and the business and just the, any other the stuff that we do. Because, P, we were talking about this the other day, weren't we? A lot of people, they prepare their winters for their summers, but we're to the point where we prepare our summers for, for our winters winter. now, yeah, ain't no, we? real That's talk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So so what about Be you, ready, Devon? Baby. You got any uh, wind shares? Yeah, yeah. I got uh, tonight, Thursday night, since that's when this episode will be released. I'll be on the call at Portland State. They'll be playing against Northern Colorado. That call will be on ESPN+. Plus. And then, as you mentioned, Friday, I'll be doing play-by-play alongside you at Pacific University. Yeah. Um, you know, that'll be the last one of the year for me. This week is my final week of college broadcasting for the season, which is, you know, bittersweet. Um, you know, I, I love what I do with those schools and those teams respectively, but the sweet part is, is that, you know, sometimes you got to level up and move on up. And the reason why Mama moving on up <laughs> is, uh, in March, it'll be all G league broadcasting for me as, uh, the final home game that Portland state has before I even get to that this Saturday, I'll be back at Portland state too. So Thursday, Portland State versus Northern Colorado. Friday, I'll be uh, with you at Pacific University. And then Saturday, back at Portland State, 4 p.m. tip-off against Northern Arizona. Both Portland State games will be airing on ESPN+, Plus, so you can tune in. But Portland State does have another conference home game slated in early March, but I won't be able to attend because... I'll be calling a G League game that night. There's some schedule conflict there. I've been dealing with quite a little bit of schedule conflict lately for all good reasons. Again, primarily the G League being it. But uh, I'm, I'm excited, man. G League broadcasting is going really well. Me and my partner Garrett doing a solid job over there. It's been nothing but love and good hoops at that level. And in March, is it'll be our busiest month of G League broadcast because we got eight home games in March. So just about every weekend, maybe with the exception of one during that month, it'll be G League basketball happening here in Rip City. And so, uh, yeah, that's what I got. No DJing this weekend, though. No DJing, all broadcast. Is that a first? No DJing? When is the last time no DJing for the weekend? I haven't heard that in a minute. <laughs> uh, it's, it's happened, but I don't keep count. Yeah, it ain't happened recently. I don't think. Yeah, it don't happen often. It don't happen you know, often. Fact. But, uh, but oh. yeah, I, yeah. Usually, you know, my Fridays, I usually do something late night. But Pacific plays later on Fridays, and then I don't know why I didn't book this Saturday. I just didn't. But I'm cool with. Maybe it. you need it. Maybe that's why. Yeah, I'm, yeah I'm, I'm cool with it. I'm cool <laughs> with it. I take the Saturday off because DJ is about to pick back up heavy anyway. As as sports kind of decline in terms of how busy my schedule is. Absolutely. And Devon, we're going to get right to that, but I want to stay with basketball for a second. So, you know, you have juggled for a long time outside of your newly appointed duties with the remix, being a sports broadcaster, as well as trying to, and succeeding, mind you, in, you know, a burgeoning music career. And so I want to stay with the basketball real quick. This is the first time that you've done, I would say, such a heavy workload, right? 
for broadcasting? Yes, it's the heaviest. It's one. the heaviest for sure. for sure. I mean, you had to have called what? I mean, probably somewhere close to a hundred games so far this season. I wouldn't say a hundred. Uh, what are we talking about here? Like seventy? Still, that's so many. I do. The thing is, it's probably closer to fifty. I mean, I do home games for for every team, including the G League as well. Obviously, with college, I do about that. Um, you know, with Pacific, I probably called maybe upwards of twenty. With Portland State, not so many. I probably called maybe like eleven or so. Ah, okay. Um, and then with the remix, I'm probably at around. I'm probably at around. 15 as well um so like i said i would say that number is probably closer to around 50 um but what it is what it is is it just makes it to where your weeks are full and there's like always something to do day to day um you know like i said this week if you want to take this week into consideration i mean i caught a remix game monday uh no i caught a remix game Yesterday, excuse me, Tuesday. Tuesday. Um, I had Monday off. I didn't call the game Monday. And then today, you know, I'm here broadcasting with y'all. Tomorrow I'll be at Portland State. Friday I'll be at Pacific. Saturday back at Portland State. So, you know, it's only really Monday is the only day this week that I don't have a broadcast. So it's just made it to where there's like these strings of consecutive days where I have to broadcast more. Um, of course, at Pacific, once you get into conference play, they're more so doubleheaders. But um, mm. it has definitely been a, a busy workload in the sense of trying to keep up with every team and what it is that every team is doing and their opponents, of course, right. as we start to prep for them. And I kind of have to take it game by game. And it's not as easy anymore to be able to sort of prep ahead of time because there's always another game happening prior to, you know, that, that next time that I probably have to call a game for one of the other teams that I broadcast for. So that's what I think has made it the busiest is just really having to kind of take my schedule day by day and game by game rather than being able to kind of prep ahead as much. Um, but still getting the job done though. So I'm with it. Well, for sure. And what I wanted to ask you as a second follow-up question to my last one is like, how many times in your five or so years that you've been broadcasting uh, sports, obviously now with the fact that you have so many teams that you have to follow and, and sort of keep all juggled in your head, how many times, and correct me if I'm wrong, but how many times have you been in a situation in your career so far where almost, if not every team that you call games for has postseason hopes? Well, none, really. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, as you kind of mentioned with Pacific men, you know, the Pacific, Pacific is the weirdest one solely because conference play, I mean, I, I'm just now doing G League this year, so I'll get into that. But for those that don't understand how the postseason implications work, and Pacific, you know, at the Division Three level in the Northwest Conference, it's not like Division One where every team in the conference makes it to the conference tournament, but where you place during the regular conference season is what you'll ultimately be seated in the tournament format in the conference tournament. But more so what it is is you have only the top four teams in the Northwest Conference on both the men's and women's side get a bid to the conference tournament and then, you know, obviously high seed plays low seed. It's a two-round tournament, and the winner of that tournament gets an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament at the D3 level. And this is the first time that there's 
a, a high chance that both Pacific men and women have an opportunity to make it to the postseason. And I've been calling them longer than any other of the programs that I've been doing. Of course, again, with Portland State being D1, they're going to the conference tournament regardless. It's all about trying to get higher seeding now. And if you place like top five in the Big Sky Conference, then you'll get a bye game, a bye game in the first round of the conference tournament. And therefore, you, you can play less games to be able to ultimately get that automatic bid if you can win that conference tournament, which is only a one their conference and then now you got the g league where the remix are doing well and a little bit of a slump right now but still holding on to an above 500 record and so they certainly um have playoff hopes on their mind based on the way things are going to this point of the season but the g league is just so fluid because you have essentially a different roster <laughs> most nights um, whether it be your team or the opposing teams, it's all dependent upon, you know, who's being called up, who's being recalled, you know, what's happening with the two-way players in every organization, um, you know, guys getting waived, guys leaving, trade, just all the things. So that is just such a fluid league in terms of what rosters look like from night to night that it's it's hard to know if a team is going to be able to stay hot throughout the course of the season because what the team looks like game to game could be right. completely different. Yo, and, and is it true? Because I saw a graphic the other day that it was something like 37 cats have been called up from the G League as a whole so far. Is that? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. If that's, if that's the number you saw, that's right. Dang, 37 <laughs> is a lot of moving pieces. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And you got sort of these call-ups. And, and I I wonder what the metric is for that. I, I'm actually looking into it hmm. in terms of kind of like what the metrics are and do they count the two-way players in that? Right. Because the two-way players are basically a call and recall and their contract basically specifies that they'll kind of go back and forth. Um, but I, I would imagine it does specify, you know, the two-way guys, but... Hmm. But there have been a lot of call-ups this season, and and you're starting to see, especially now, I think even more call-ups will happen as you get kind of later in the season, and you're either in the race or you're out the race. <laughs> and so for the teams that kind of drop out of the race one by one of, of being able to have a chance to play in the postseason, I think you'll start to see them make more call-ups and kind of start to Get into, get into almost their off-season work early. See what it is that they have available to them right now as they start to prepare for what will be a crazy off-season as usual in the NBA. Well, hey, man, I appreciate you, you know, breaking it down for us because, you know, I'm just mining information from you on, <laughs> on how to lay all this stuff out as I'm coming on your heels. But, man, I'll tell you, bro, I never get a chance to big up you. I mean, I got the keys to the kingdom right now. So I'm going to take a quick second and I'm going to say, man, you're just killing the game right now. I'm so excited to see you keep going, bro. And thank you for keeping us tapped into all levels of this hoop stuff. You know, from professional all the way down to D3, there there ain't a lot of guys out here or gals out here doing it to the to the depth that you're doing it, man. So, Facts. you know what I'm saying? Just wanted to say. Ground, man. We're just trying to cover ground. Like I said, you kick the door down, I'll come right behind you, set the gear up. All right. So Hey, now. <laughs> so, so, real quickly, before we get into some of the topics that we have uh, scheduled for the day, I just want to quickly first, for, uh, on behalf of the Wake Up and Win podcast, I want to give my condolences and our thoughts and prayers 
to all of the victims and all of the people affected by the, um, as of today, the sh uh, shooting that happened at the Kansas City Super Bowl parade today on February 14th. Um, reports have said that at least one person has perished from this incident and many more injured. We, we don't know exactly the depth of this uh, situation. And so obviously, you know, we just want to say that it's a terribly tragic and we just send all of our thoughts and our prayers and our love to those folks that are going through that. I mean, I, I don't know what to say, gentlemen, like it's, it sucks because, you know, people go through these things. I think everybody in this country today has a thought of if it's a really big event, I know I, for myself, I do. When I think a really, really big high profile event, there's a level of like, maybe I should avoid that. And I'm I don't. I'm not going. It, right? I'm not going. You know what I'm saying? And festivals. I don't. Festivals. Yeah, big festivals. I mean, even the Dame game. I was talking to you guys just outside of the studio, but the other week ago, and I was saying, man, I don't know. It's just, and I don't, I mean, it's such a, it, it's, it sucks so badly that we all have to kind of have that in the back of our minds. And so, you know, especially in a situation like this where, it's supposed to be a celebration. It's a celebration of the city. It's a celebration of the culmination of everybody, you know, coming together and, and feeling this moment together. A Super Bowl championship and a, and a parade for any championship in a major sport is supposed to be sort of reflective and indicative of, you know, the feeling of the city and the way that people feel about each other and the way that people have, you know, carried themselves and, and, brought themselves to this, excuse me, you know, peak. And so to see this, you know, unfold online as most of us got a chance to, you know, look at it is just so tragic. And we just want to say, you know, thoughts and prayers to anybody out there that, you know, may have been affected by this tertiarily or, or what have you. Yeah. Condolences sent out. Um, as we was just talking about it, I seen some footage that came across my screen of, Obviously, some heroic people who tackled the gunmen or gunmen. Oh, yeah, I saw that. Um, just crazy, like you said, that that's literally in the forefront of any big gathering, any big event. I'm almost like, no, I'm for sure not going. And we could think back at some of the recent stuff, Vegas and all of that, but it's just, it seems like it's not a safe space more than it is these days um, with a gathering of of large crowds, and like I said, it's just sad that you can't even go celebrate your favorite team, your favorite players, your favorite musicians, artists, etc., without a large possibility these days of something going left. And again, all I can really say is, is my condolences in that this this record is getting old. Yeah, I mean, it really is. I agree. I agree. I agree. Um, I mean, and it's really beyond, I mean, it's not even just large gatherings, just anywhere. It can be schools. It can be just anywhere. It's just stepping outside. You feel like you kind of run that risk these days of, of, of something that's tragic happening. Like you saw, you know, that like we're seeing unfold with the parade and everything. And so, uh, definitely want to send my condolences, um, such a dark way to to celebrate something so great for a city um but mm -hmm. you know here we are yet again as you said this record is getting kind of old but um wouldn't be right if we didn't extend our condolences for sure
Facts. Yeah, man. And you know, when I, I mean, you know, not to make it about myself, but when I heard about this, you know, like I just think back to a little over a year ago when I was out on the road and I was road tripping and I spent a couple of days in Kansas City. I remember that. And I spent a couple of days and I spent a couple of nights in Kansas City. And it sucks because I just remember, I mean, there was a moment, bro, where I was out driving around through downtown KC trying to find a place to just sort of lay up. I ended up at Waffle House. Mm-hmm. Shout out Waffle House. But mm-hmm. but be- before that, I ended up at this gas station. And this gas station was pretty active. There was a lot of folks out. It was very late at night. And I just remember everybody there. Like, I didn't – I had hide nor hair where I was. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm 1,000-plus miles from my house. And when I pulled up to this gas station, everybody there was like – I asked, hey, man, where do I go? I'm trying to, you know what I'm saying, find a place. And everyone was, like, very nice. Mm-hmm. And, like, hey, man, this is where you should go. Let's, you know what I'm saying, keep it coping. It was, like, the nicest thing. Everyone I've ever met in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So nice. Mm-hmm. So cool. It's a great city from what I hear even outside of that. And so I don't, you know, I just think that it's, it, I, don't, I just don't want this to be a blemish on, like, KC. Mm-hmm. As well as, you know, it's hard not to like differentiate the instance from what we're traditionally used to when we hear about these things. Well, I'm from the Bay and Mac Dre got killed in Kansas city. So that's a story Uh, for another day, but that's the mm. blemish that Kansas city got on me. Well, I mean, I, that, that's a fair point. Absolutely. hundred percent. I mean, you know, like I say, it's, it's just, it's just one of those things that I guess you try to find, you know, some sort of solace or joy or peace out of the situation, but it's really hard to see through that right now. So again, unfortunate, like I said, again, condolences is just, it's sad. It's, it's, it's a broken record. It's, it's happening far and few too much now. Just put them down, man. Like there's nothing more, there's nothing cooler and nothing harder than just kicking it and having a good time and have everybody go home at the end of the day. So even a debate on gun control versus people and all, it's just, it's a lot. It it brings the the same debates to surface every time. And uh, like I said, the focus right now is the people that's directly affected and connected to this. And Mm -hmm. uh, I I just send my, my, my due diligence and condolences as we all do. Well, that's great, man. We appreciate that. So, so what we're gonna try to do now is we're gonna move on to the, what the only topic that really is in the sport world needs to be talked about since the Super Bowl is over mm-hmm. is the All Star Weekend. There's a lot of very mediocre <laughs> marquees getting put up for this All Star Weekend, and that's no shade to Indianapolis. I hear it's an okay enough city, but that's where they're hosting it. Next year, it's gonna be in the Bay. It's gonna be Way, way nicer there. But uh, this year we got the All-Star Weekend in Indianapolis. None of us will be there as much as we move around. We're not going to be there. But I just wanted to hear from you guys. You know, I mean, I guess what you're excited about from the All-Star Weekend. We're all in our 30s now. So we've seen these things before. The only thing the NBA has done to sort of give any sort of uh, new wrinkle to the situation is the three-point shootout between Steph and Sabrina. That's really the only thing that I can think of when I look down the list of what they have planned that makes any impact on how much I care. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, for real. Like, and, and by the way, I'm a guy that loves the All-Star game. 
Mm-hmm. I grew up watching the All-Star game. I love the All-Star game so much that I even liked it when they did their own team jerseys when they were out there. Mm-hmm. Every iteration of the game itself, I've loved. Right. But it's not like the Pro Bowl or something. We we like the 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 NBA All-Star game. Yeah, we, we like, like the that. week. Yeah, we yeah, like, we the like that. But but I think it's getting a little it's getting a little tired, it's getting a little old and like I said, this Sabrina Steph thing is the only thing that they got going that's going to make any, you know, headlines or any interest. I mean, so I guess I got to start there. In that contest, who do you got? Sabrina or Steph? Steph by 20. <laughs> <laughs> by 20. 23s. Devon. No, man. Sabrina can snipe it. I know. I know. She's broken every three point record, man or so woman. Has that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm talking about in the contest. Hey, the light, the light's going to be too bright, baby. <laughs> For Sabrina? <laughs> I don't know, man. she been in the lights the whole time. Yeah, it ain't going to be close. I think, the easy, I think the easy answer is Steph because of Steph. He's the greatest shooter of all time, point blank, period. But. <laughs> But Sabrina can she can she let it can go. Let it fly. She went twenty in a row. Y'all know I like to bring a level of debate to this podcast. <laughs> she went twenty in a row. Okay, I got Steph in the landslide. <laughs> she can let it fly, man. She like I said, she she'll be shooting with WNBA balls, of course. Right, but at the NBA three point line. Mm-hmm. At the NBA three point line, I'm going. I'm I'm gonna go. That's with gonna Steph hurt. Myself. That's gonna hurt. That NBA <laughs> three point line is a difference. I'm a, I don't know, man. Go with Steph as well, but I, I want I want Sabrina to win. I'll facts, be honest. Facts. You think it'll be close? I think yeah, it'll be close. Yeah, yeah. I feel Sabrina it. can let that thing go. Who do you feel? This is just a hot take, hot question right now. Both of y'all, I would like an answer from who do y'all think was the biggest snub um, in this whole All Star situation? What player deserved it more than? I won't even say compare it to somebody who made it. Just who do you think was snubbed the biggest? Initially, I thought it might have been Trey Young just because his numbers were so eye-popping. But 27 and 11. He ended up getting in. He ended up getting in. Mm-hmm. Um, but initially, that was who I kind of viewed in that regard. I, I forget who it is he's replacing. I don't know if it's Embiid, maybe. Um, but but he was replacing an injured player, of course, that won't be right. participating. Um, but but you know, it's it's kind of tough for Trey Young because Trey Young kind of just is who he is, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's always put up crazy numbers. But just being a small guard, you know, he had that run where they went to the conference finals or whatever uh, with Atlanta, and that was like. Very impressive, and then they kind of took a nosedive mm-hmm. from there in terms of how good they were. You know, they got eliminated, I think, in the first round to the Heat, and they just never really been the same since that run, which is kind of something that, that we saw here in Portland a little bit. Right. Because Trey Young is such a small guard that it's hard for him to kind of be able to consistently make these deep playoff runs. And, you know, the same was kind of said for Damon, CJ. Although they're so good and so talented, being a small backcourt, they kind of had a ceiling. Um, so I think Trey Young was that guy, but fortunately for him, um, you know he he will still be able to play an All Star game this year because of he'll he'll be he'll be a fill in essentially. Yeah, well, I mean, okay. other na- other names that were floated out there were like Kristaps, like people. A lot of people say, oh. Because the reason why Trey Young didn't get in there, I would say predominantly, is because his team is so trash. 
And that really affects crazy though. What's up? His numbers are crazy though, but yes, I agree. Yeah, but that's but that's the but that's the voting thing. Now, my question is 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 that even a viable <laughs> metric? Because from my perspective, the best players, it's the same reason why Damian Lillard got in over Jalen Brunson and over Donovan Mitchell, to be specific, because he's just a more entertaining player. For the all-star game, it's a different type of basketball game. It's to showcase these, you know, almost superhuman feats on the basketball court. And so I feel like Trey Young, as far as that metric, falls right in there. Yeah, I mean, I think he falls in there. He, he's obviously real good with the ball. He can shoot it from deep. We we, were, we remember the moment of Dame and Steph going back and forth, shooting from the logo on, on consecutive possessions, right. knocking them down. Um, and then he's just a playmaker. I mean, averages 27 points and 11 assists. Like, those are, yeah, those are pretty that, impressive. That seems good, like man. a shoe-in to be an all-star <laughs> any, anywhere else, right? Exactly. Do you, you know agree? What I'm so that's that's why he was the biggest snub for me initially. All right. So now that we just talking about stats right now, that's a perfect segue because I want to hear Spliff if he has a different player or if he agrees with you on the Trey Young thing. That's his pick. But I'm going with Demontis Sabonis, man. That is crazy. He's averaging. 20.2 points per game, eight assists, and 13 rebounds. He's almost averaging a triple-double. Yeah. Like, less than two assists away from a triple-double. And I'm watching him grab, like, 22 boards, 18 boards. Crazy numbers, bro. And it's like... And he's shooting 62% from the And, and so that's what <laughs> that's I'm saying. Crazy. And again, when you talk to <laughs> Sabonis, is not the top of your conversation when you're talking about electrifying and entertainment but gosh when you look at this stat line 28 and 13 is sick i mean that's serious 62 percent from the field and they're playing deep you know what i mean Yo. it's not like they in the bottom of the yeah. league or nothing they a western yeah. conference powerhouse now if you really want to be truthful like you know yeah. so i mean well they had they were last year i mean that's they what were i'm saying the, the eyes are on them now is what i'm saying and so with the eyes being on them in this stat line and him not even really relatively being like you know it's just like uh, you know i'll say like <laughs> this bro and this is something i've been i've been ruminating on i'd love to hear you guys' opinion but you know if you've been following you know, reporters and stuff like i do because i'm a nerd then you'll notice that a lot of people are like, I don't know, and follow me on this, but they're like, I don't know how comfortable I am with voting for things like All-NBA and and postseason awards, primarily because it affects people's contracts and how much money that they're going to get. And so when I see that there's kind of that exodus from, you know, voters being like held responsible, I think, well... In the All-Star game, everybody votes kind of about the same way. You know what I mean? There's an equal split from fans to coaches to players. But that doesn't affect anybody's money. Right. But I think that if you wanted to keep the interest of the media, then you would say, okay, well, then how about you guys vote on the All-Star game? Because you guys are the dudes that sensationalize these headlines and sensationalize these players while simultaneously somewhat overlooking their stats a lot of the times, for better or for worse, like Trey Young getting taken out of the All-Star game, averaging a double-double with assists, nearly 30 points a game. I mean, that's, that's to the heart, that's criminal. Mm -hmm. But my question is, is, is there a way to sort of just, you know, 
remove the veil from the All Star game and be there's like, no way. there's because we there's don't no want to see Demond. De- like, there's a reason why Sabonis isn't in the All Star game because he's not is, an electrifying player, nah, bro. That, nah, that's he's not, not. That's not. I would true. rather have Carl Anthony Towns in there nah. than Demondis Sabonis because I know Carl Anthony to- Towns anytime, is going to do some stuff. Anytime you can average damn near a triple double, it's electrifying in your own right. I think it comes down to what me and Devon was just talking about not too long ago. And even KD said it. This is the most stacked the NBA has probably ever been in history. I'm, I'm easily, talking about easily. with the talent level and with the bigs doing what they're doing and just all across the board. I think it speaks more volume to that. And it's one of them things where everybody can't go. You know what I mean? And I, I've seen it and dealt with it since, since NJB, junior basketball, where it's like it's a lot of people that's in that conversation and – has a case why they should be there, but it's just not enough roster spots. You get what I'm saying? And so the job is only harder now in a day like today where it's probably eight to ten people who have a case, but that's why I said I had this hot take question to ask you on why I think the question is so good because it, it it's probably eight people that we could honestly vouch for, but I wanted to know who came to you know, mind for you guys more than, you know, at the top of that list. And he said Trey Young, and like I said, it, it was wasn't Demonis Sabonis for me in I terms know. of all-star, you know, entertainment. Yeah, and again, I, I, I like I said, I see you You talked about the commentating, and it's, I watch the games. I'm seeing the stats. I'm, hey, man, I watch the games. No, 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 I'm not discrediting you. I'm just saying from a, through a different lens, and we talk about the betting and all of that, but – I'm seeing the numbers on a day in and day out. And when you're seeing 22 rebounds and 18 rebounds on a regular day, it's like, bruh, like, this ain't normal. (laughs) I think you also got to look at it. I think you also got to look at it from the the format in which you are able to construct the all-star rosters. Only four backcourt players have guaranteed all-star roster spots. That's what I mean. so they so they divided up. You have two starting backcourt players, three starting frontcourt players, which kind of plays off the traditional point guard, shooting guard being your backcourt, and mm-hmm. then your three frontcourt players are your small forward, power forward, and your center. But the game is so positionless now that it's not even by position anymore, more so than it is by just if you're a backcourt player and you're or you're a frontcourt player. And then you get the same two backcourt reserves and three frontcourt reserves. That gets you ten of your twelve roster Great spots. Point. And then just and then just two wild cards. It's so not enough it's not enough spots. Both of those guys can be backcourt players, both of those guys can be frontcourt players or one of one each, and one. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so so I think what makes it a little bit harder more is is again trying to get creative with only 12 roster spots per conference you're going to always kind of deal with the snubs especially for the backcourt players because there's just less positions to be filled unless you end up being one of those wild cards agree i mean we got somebody who just scored 60 some points as a big on like 10 made threes and he ain't there this you know what i mean i'm it's, saying and he would be more entertaining he would be more entertaining out there from a optics perspective than Demonis Sabonis. Because imagine, I mean, paint a picture. Imagine Dame and Steph going back and forth three and Trey Young's in the mix. And now Carl Anthony Towns tries to get in on the act and maybe he nails a couple logo threes. Like 
that's more entertaining again, than watching Sabonis like this because all peel that down a rebound stuff is what we got taught not to do. Act like you've been here before is something that I've heard all my life, and you know what I mean. All that extra stuff, it don't put the ball in the basket, and so that's all I'm saying is that it almost seems like this day and age, even more so than before, you're getting penalized for not. Having an extra, you know, not being flashy, <laughs> exactly. And yeah. he grabbing eighteen boards uh, quietly, but yeah. he's doing it day in and day out. Where it's like, how do you, you know, it's like <laughs> as a better, you love that. Yeah, you're like, like I can bank on those fifteen. Just the contract because he's getting paid, obviously. But it's like, where's the moral peer, you know, the 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 accolades per se. And if you're not he's making, get, he's getting paid, but there's still bonuses that come with being exactly. an all-star. See, that's what exactly. I'm saying. But see, that's what I'm there's saying. I don't on the table too. I don't think that's why I don't. That's where it gets dicey to me because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, now the all-star game, which is a, uh, it's a circus act. But it's to life. be honest, it's life. that 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 matters on people's contracts. It's life. I mean, t- let's talk about music. It's the same thing. We we never just be like, oh, the most talented go. It's who has the extra? Whose hair is crazy? Who dressing like I this? I feel what Who's, you're saying. You know what I mean? So it's like it's spilling over more into the sports world now because a lot of it is the same. It's and now we talking about NIL and college. Like it's gonna start and get even worse earlier. Like all that's right. that's what it is. All right. Well, so then the follow up question is: Is do you think that they got the All Star game right on both sides? There's no way to ever get it right. I mean, that's just in I'm, your heart. It just went, no, went from because, your optics. You uh, that's don't. That's why this question is posed because. It'll never be right. You get what I'm saying? Like, it's always going to be a snub or something that's debatable. So for me to say right, like, it's never going to be right, To in my opinion. Like, I don't have the answer on which the, the perfect strategy on how you should pick or who should pick. I don't think it's ever going to be right, but I think it's close enough. I don't think it's nobody that's on there that's just hella undeserving. That's for sure. And that's what comes to a stacked league. Like, Brunson didn't make it. He didn't, right? Brun- Jalen Brunson? Yeah. Now he's a reserve. Okay, he's a re- okay. I was about to say somebody like him, he should be in this year. Yeah, yeah, like, for sure. But what I'll tell he's you, like doing it- in New York is crazy. But yeah, a year or two ago, I wouldn't have thought he was going to be ahead of some of the people that we know. You know, but it's like his game is he's, speaking he's, for it, and it's loud. I agree with that. You know, so I, I, you know, I personally think that there will be a change in the way that the all-star game and like the all-star selections are like, you know, applied to people's contracts because it's not really, you know, it's not really a thing. It's, it's, it doesn't like all NBA is more important. All defensive is more important. Uh, MIPs, MVPs. I think those are more important. And, and I'm not an agent, but I would wager that in those negotiations that those are more points of leverage than they are being like well look he he was a he was a replacement for the all-star like game. he said it all matters though it all goes into an extra bag whether one weighs more heavier than the other it all it's a bag you know what i mean it's all incentive based and so um you should, like should to, the media vote like i said it i don't have the answers to what's right or wrong i don't think it's that far off it just sucks that some people by default and like i said it's since the beginning of time since the beginning early stages of basketball, youth and beyond. Somebody's going to feel snubbed or like they have a case to be in a position over somebody else every time, no matter who picks. 
It could be the coach's pick. It could be the media pick. It could be the player's yeah. pick. And it's always going to be somebody who's in that great in area. Their feelings about and, it. And, and rightfully so. I'm yeah. not saying like on some BS, but like right. rightfully so, somebody's going to always fall on that. And it's just, it, it, it just sucks when you on the lesser end of that, you know? Especially when you got the numbers to prove it. Especially when there's hundreds of thousands of dollars potentially on the line, dog. Luckily, That's these guys, great. most for the most part, yeah, all make okay. some. You know, they okay, exactly. So they're okay. Yeah. Well, waste uh, management. Let's do it, man. Okay, <laughs> so if you guys, we we alluded to the P. You got anything more else on All Star? Probably not, right? No, I'm good. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not even that entertaining. We'll see you next year in the Bay. We'll be. We'll see you in the Bay next year. All right. So, w- what happened over the weekend? If you are even remotely close to the internet, you probably caught a whiff of the Phoenix Open Waste Management right. uh, Tournament. Yes. It happens PGA in PGA Golf. It's PGA Golf if uh, or WWF Wrestling, <laughs> yeah. depending on what feed you got, depending on your algorithm. But, but D-Boy, I swear to, to bro, you were there. I was there. You were I there all direct. weekend? I was there, yep. so yeah. You I, went, went, I went to Friday's. Actual event. I was in the city all weekend, but I went to the actual waste management tournament all of Friday. I'm talking about all day. All right, so we're going to need you to chronicle the exact, like, I'm talking from the minute you enter the gate until when you had to leave by disgust or whatever. I don't know what you saw. Right. But real quick, just to set the table, uh, uh, I would say probably the fastest growing tournament in the PGA Tour. Yep. In terms of popularity and scope. Okay. And then it's in Phoenix where the weather is nice and it's the middle of winter. Well, it's usually nice. It wasn't nice this time, and that's what played a part in what we're about to talk about. All right. Well, go go ahead and walk us through just the whole experience starting on that Friday before you got Sure. Well, let's take it even a little step further back real quick. I'll be quick, but um, this is my second year in a row attending, so I actually have something to compare it to. Okay. And last year— with it being my first year attending, it was also the Super Bowl taking place in Arizona. So simultaneously, it was even more crazy and even more people by default. But it wasn't more crazy than what I experienced this year. So let's fast forward okay. to this year. Um, I land and the weather is bad. I'm talking about it looks like I literally just brought Oregon's weather straight to Phoenix with me. 42 degrees, raining, cold, not Cool, right? So I get there on Wednesday. Wednesday, I believe, is the first day of the tournament. Then they got Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Wednesday is like a practice round, I believe. And then you got Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday as a competitive rounds for the people who made the cut. So um, Thursday, weather was a little wet, damp. It rained some, blah, blah, blah. And so Friday, we get there. It's a nice day. When I say nice, it's blue skies, very minimal overcast. But still kind of chilly. You, a light jacket at minimum is necessary, right? So it's still wet. I haven't had that sun that's going to dry everything out. And um, what I would say in comparison to last year compared to this year was the conditions. We know that the waste management has been known for, golf in general is known for etiquette, good etiquette. You want to be quiet while people are swinging. You want to be fast and not take too long. You don't want people behind you waiting. It's a big etiquette game, how you dress, all of that. But um, Phoenix Open is a little more lenient by history when it comes to the etiquette. This year, it was just completely no etiquette. 
You got drunk people mixed with wet conditions, mixed with slopes. It's a golf course still, so you got different parts that's slightly hilly, whatever. I'm talking about safety hazards galore. I'm watching people walk with a pretzel and a beer and falling so hard that fumbling. fumbling. I'm talking about their whole face diving into the mud. Um, you, you you can't really you can't really monitor alcohol when you got bars on the 18th hole, bars on the third hole. You got things so spread out that you can't really tell how many drinks somebody had. So that's a big issue. Golf is a long sport also. So people are outside all day with minimal food options and a lot of beer and alcohol options. And so the combination of that mixed with bad weather for people who aren't experienced with bad weather it's bad. Flip their lids. Flip huh? their lids. You get what I'm saying? So that was that was the, I guess the the baseline of it. And then the amount of people that come out. You're getting a hundred thousand plus people per day for four days straight. So with that comes, do you Damn. have enough people to? Do you have enough police presence? Do you have enough security presence? Do you have enough alcohol monitors? How can you manage all of this type of stuff? And then you have the heckling, the drunk people who. Now we talk about betting. Now you have money involved. So now you're heckling the people you want to lose and you're big up in the people that you want to win. And on a golf course, you got, I'm talking about 10 feet away from these people. Like you got a tee box and then you got the crowd. We see it on TV all the time, right. how close in proximity. You got to be paying high top dollar course side to be able to talk to Dame or Luca or anybody to where they can hear you. Any John, Joe, or Myron at Waste Management, huh? Anybody. You could get, you pick where you want to go. Oh, I want to be on the 13th hole and just stay here. You're at the 13th hole, and you could be by the green and talk to the people. You could be by the tee box. So I think just the access uh, mixed with the amount of people, mixed with it being a drunk, historically wild kind of event already it's only growing so now you're seeing these clips like you talked about with the algorithm you're seeing the drunk clips come you're seeing the fights come you're seeing the alcohol come grown men using the restroom on themselves and all this and it's becoming a a, a hot spot where people want to come see it in real time and that's what i was going to get to 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 end it off is that last year i seen some maybe 50 to 60 year old men stumble bumble fall drunk sloppy whatever and it was funny last year this year it wasn't funny you start having people literally fighting i'm talking about fist fights bloody hurting themselves you seeing like i said the using the bathroom the unsanit all of that stuff a combination it was just not the experience that I was expecting, and it was a humongous change from one year to the next. And so I've read articles, and it's already plans in place and different takes and different things that are going to happen to try to help these issues, if it even happens, because it was so bad. I would go as far as saying that it might not be a thing moving forward. Okay. With the, with how much the golfers didn't enjoy it this year sure. and the fans— <laughs> Right. It became a point and, where, especially the staff. From it became what I've a heard. point where people without general admission tickets were getting in. They, I heard that they just let people they in. They were just by letting the final people in without general even, admission. Couldn't that's handle true? it. That's true. To the point Dang. where they stopped the people from entering who actually had paid tickets, and they stopped alcohol sales because right. it was just too overwhelming where you couldn't even move. So imagine a golf course. We know it's tons of acres. 
18 holes, championship course. Imagine that being at capacity. It sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> it was a it was a show. Pounce, it was a did, Pounce, did you see any of this? I heard about it. I I don't care about golf like that, but I but it's it was too hard to miss. <laughs> I shared some um, clips. I'm sure you've seen something. It, yeah, yeah, it was too hard to miss. I saw like stuff like that. D boy was reporter um, on the ground, bro. I was on the ground. But yeah, it uh I guess golf is kind of trashy after all. Yeah, and to be honest, it's funny you said that because golf crazy. To be honest, like (laughs) now that I play golf so much and I'm around the game of golf, it's some trashy people around golf. I mean, you 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 see tempers, you see wild things, you see a lot of alcohol consumption, you see all of this. But again, when you see it out of hand, where you got people coming to the golf course dressing like it's the Kentucky Derby or dressing like it's a club uh, and everything in between. It's like yeah. people are definitely like we go. Most people go to games that, like basketball, for example. We have some interest in watching basketball. We enjoy the sport. We know the players like it's some kind of like these people don't know a, a single golfer. It was some drunk girls who who walked past me and said. Scotty Scheffler. All I want to see is Scotty Scheffler. I'm like, who's your other favorite? That's the only name we know, honestly. Oh <laughs> it's like God. they're not coming for the game. You get what I mean? And so for the people who are interested in golf or have picked up the game over the last few years and want to see some of the notables, it's like the majority of the people ain't even there for that. So right. when you got that kind of mix of, of crowd, like I said, from young to old, black to white, uh, golfer to non-golfer, it just makes for a very interesting crowd, and that's what you're you. You could only stay for Friday. You were like, I can't. Yeah, Friday was enough. I mean, I've, I talked to people who was there Saturday who left Saturday with the temperament. I'm never going back to waste management yeah. ever again. And Saturday was the day that alcohol sales got suspended and entry got suspended because of overcrowded capacity and how wild it's gotten. So I went Thursday last year, I think, and Friday this year, and I do think. That as a consumer, you have more luck on weekday days because you still got the, you know, workers and all of that type of stuff, people that's working and all that. But by Saturday, everybody has flown in as planning to fly in. And when you pay for general admission, you could pick which day you're going to use that ticket for. So most people are picking a weekend day, which, like I said, it was it ended up not being the day to go. They were ready to bring the ruckus. <laughs> yeah, and then and then the weather to be final. The weather was bad, so you had slow golf, you had suspended rounds, you had um, makeup days, you had right. uh, the the darkness playing a part, and uh, it was just a lot. Everything that could go wrong, I feel like went wrong this one, and it opened eyes to changes really needing to be made, or like I said, it might not be a waste management in Phoenix going forward. Yeah, I feel like golf doesn't like. The optics of this weekend. They don't like it. And they're going to back away from it expeditiously. They don't like it. And like I said, that's that's the battle now with growing the game. Two years ago, we loved the temperament of golf is growing. T-sheets are getting more filled. More, It's more diverse. People who never There's picked up. There's more energy in the All crowd. of that type of stuff. And yeah. now when you see this as maybe or maybe not a direct result of that game being grown, it's like, Hmm, do we really want this? Or do we want this to be that country club sport that Devon spoke of earlier? <laughs> Stuff, so, Stuffy know. the vampire over <laughs> exactly. there, bro. It was wild, man. So, Devon, like what? I said, I still enjoy myself. I love traveling and 
just the different scenery and stuff. But I could definitely see how for a, a large majority of people, including the golfers um, alike, that probably wasn't really enjoyable. Well, you know, I think next time we need to go to Augusta or something. <laughs> a little I'm, bit yeah, more the Masters, I'm thinking. Yeah, I, I think like the Masters that. for sure because this this is a frat party at this point. Oh, man. <laughs> all right, all right. Well, thanks, D-Boy. Appreciate yeah. you giving us the deets on that. <laughs> uh, with that, we're going to leave you the only way that we know how. Oh, no, no, no. We got we to gotta do a quick Super Bowl hit. Man. Hey, come on. Come on. Stop him in his Okay, tracks, okay. Pete. DJ, spin that back. <laughs> Let's get to the Super Bowl. Devon, you said last week on this very show, he you said you know a guy. Damn it. <laughs> Is it the same guy that ended up going nuclear at the end? And getting MVP? You bet. You bet. <laughs> you bet. <laughs> So, so did we talk about it to, to tell you that you were right again? Is that what this is about? I mean, <laughs> hey man, I, I think he was right <laughs> more he was, than me being right. Facts, <laughs> but facts. like, he, he is who he is, man. Like, this is what he does, and and there was just no world where I could see Brock Purdy defeating him, regardless what he was surrounded by, mm-hmm. because I've seen this guy make magic too many times over that I have not really seen Brock make mm-hmm. without like huge help from when all else fails, who can you depend on? I, you know, I don't think that Brock had a bad game necessarily for his he capacity. Didn't. He didn't. I think that the, the, because when you talk about help, bro, I think that the Niners had the help on the field. I just think that yeah. those cats didn't show up and, or they weren't utilized correctly. The absence of Debo Samuel, I mean, he had six rushing yards, and Kittle, I seen a thing that- the Absence like, of George Kittle, yeah, right. Yeah, Kittle had like four receiving yards or something That's like not that. It, was, they, it, it was both single digits, and again, with the weapons that they have, you need all of that. And when you see them succeed, it's usually a combination of, of all. You see Kittle go crazy, you see Ayuk put, have his input as the number one receiver this year, you see McCaffrey- which he had an extremely uncharacteristic fumble that I feel like was very important to the guy ran for 2 million yards or whatever the whole game. Like he was the only dude with the offense on his back. But again, with the fumble, we don't see that too much. Um, it was Fair. just a few play call. I mean, a few plays that didn't go their way that I feel like really changed the game. And like Devon said, you can't afford to have those when you know a guy and when you know a guy that can, that can make magic, uh, all of that, Houdini. you know, and I've honestly watched them play some other than the comeback that they had to do on Detroit. Like I've watched them play relatively clean football all year long and just yeah. have the the weapons to do it. And I, so my rule of thumb is to never bet against like I'm always betting with the better quarterback. And we can all agree that Patrick Mahomes is a better quarterback than Brock Purdy. But this was a. A slim, slight difference where with the weapons and with McCaffrey being the greatest running back I've seen in recent history and blah, 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 I thought they just had enough firepower, and I thought right. that this was the year to be knocked off as as the Mahomes and Kelsey. You know, I just thought this was what, a year. You know, Devon, I'm going to put this to you point blank, period. What do we say about Shanahan at this point? Hmm. He played against Patrick Mahomes is all I got to say. I've seen him play against other dudes where he's choked expertly. It's just hard to 
It's hard to win it. It's hard to win it, bro. Now, he, anyone knows that it's Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, I don't. I don't say nothing disrespectful to him. I mean, I, okay. they started with firing a defensive coordinator today. I believe he's never had a he's never had a quarterback in all of these appearances neither. So let's do remember yeah, nobody overachieving. He was the no, third string no, quarterback. Nobody that, <laughs> nobody that we would expect to be. Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. He has not had that, and that's the same problem that happened this time around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. All along, San Francisco has the more complete team when it comes to them versus the Chiefs, but the reality of it is, it's two positions that touch the ball every single down when they're on the field. And that's your center, who's just snapping the ball and blocking, and it's your quarterback, who's making the magic. And the reality of it is, Mahomes' magic was always going to be too much for the 49ers because that guy is going to touch the ball every single time. And mm -hmm. when the probability comes down to him touching the ball as many times as he will and making something happen that will ultimately lead to a victory, I'm betting on the guy Facts. over somebody like Facts. Brock Purdy who gets the same opportunities. And I've always speak to experience. He's seen every scenario, bro. He knows the two-minute drill like the back of his hand. He knows when he needs to just get in field goal range. He knows when they need a touchdown and what that's going to take. And there were reports that Shanahan and his personnel didn't, they even, didn't even know the rules. They didn't even know the rules for So we're just going to give this guy a pass, even though he's going up against, at least as it stands today, probably arguably the second greatest quarterback of all Man, time. And I've seen a Niner say they was banking on getting the ball for the third time to go for the win. <laughs> I think the Niners will continue to reach this You say Shanahan, I say Lynch. And the reason why... Say, wait, say that again, bro. You say Shanahan, I say Lynch, the GM. And the reason why is because with all of these weapons that we continue to talk about time after time, that the Niners go to the playoffs, have a deep postseason run, or even make it to the Super Bowl, they never have a quarterback. At what point is Lynch going to give up some of that talent around the quarterback that's a weapon up and down the field to go get a Brock Purdy is their quarterback, bro. My, Brock Purdy, at this team. point, bro, he went 10 and... He isn't, I'm not saying he isn't their quarterback, but if you're in win-now mode, he's not. No. I'm not saying he isn't going to be bro, a They just went to the Super Bowl. Bowl. That's bogus. That's a, that's a bogus take. I, I, I don't know, man. He's too young. <laughs> now quarterback. <laughs> Mr. Irrelevant, <laughs> man. I don't... I don't. Hey, Purdy's not the guy that I want to go into the Super Bowl with as my quarterback. Can he be a couple, two... Absolutely. But if you're in win now mode and you expect to win right now today, I don't think Brock Purdy's the guy. But I, it's it's hard to agree with you. Obviously, he just lost. So you could say that. But who it's not too many. That is the guy. like, you know, it's it'll be different if I could ask you like, well, who is? But it's like, well, I was going to say Lamar Jackson until man, a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. It's only one guy who could. Who can win it every year? So it's like I, I was still I, the reason I disagree with that. The reason that I disagree with that is because I, while yes, these guys have to run into Patrick Mahomes each year and mm -hmm. its levels, mm -hmm. I still I still believe in the playmaking ability of a Lamar Jackson, of a Josh Allen, of a lot of other quarterbacks than I do of a Brock Purdy, Deshaun Watson, Jared Goff, this, like, <laughs> Deshaun Watson, you're sick and can make plays That's to a better it. magnitude because. 
maybe they have stronger arms. Like, Purdy does not really... Purdy is solid at everything, but Purdy doesn't have a cannon of an arm. He's not crazy with his legs, mm-hmm. but he's solid, doesn't make too many he's mistakes. smart, and he's and composed. He's weapons around him he's composed. that help to elevate who he is as, as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. But... If you talk about guys who I think are more like Purdy isn't a top five talent at that position in the league. And that's more what I speak of when I say that's kind of what you need to win a Super Bowl. Mm. And unfortunately, right now, it's just the Mahomes era. But even still, Jalen Hurts is somebody who had an element to his game that is far more explosive than what Brock Purdy has. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's, that's what I mean more so is that his game, his his playmaking ability when all else else fails is the problem here and it's the problem that the san francisco 49ers have been facing and why they keep getting disappointed because they haven't really had that guy at the quarterback position that can just take the game into his own hands when all else fails i'm I'm gonna leave it right there i love i love what you're saying you know it's it's funny that you say that because when all of this cam newton bluster got you know, as of recent, and he's talking about game managers and the like, you know, I think that a lot of people thought that that was more of an indictment on other quarterbacks than it was sort of Cam surreptitiously being like, well, I wasn't the man either. That's why Mm -hmm. I couldn't do it either. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Who knows? Who knows? But Well, either way. I feel you, but. What I know for sure, because if you remember, I said Patrick Mahomes too, and he got it done. Harry Houdini himself. All I'm saying is I would build a a team around Brock these days. He's young. I mean, it's not too many other people who's proven that they can get over the Mahomes hump. And with what he's done so early in his career, going from a third-string quarterback a year ago to – Competing and, and having a chance to win the Super Bowl, I don't think I'm straying away from them and giving away my heavy hitters to do so. I think I'm gonna just build and have to have to go through that and get through it. So um, I, I don't think neither we, one of us is right or wrong in that. And we're probably thing. gonna see the 49ers somewhere back. close to the mountain back. again next year. And that's all I'm saying. Thank you. And with that, <laughs> we are going to leave you. With the halftime show? No, I'm just playing. <laughs> the bar was right. We get it. He knew a guy. That guy showed up. Bye-bye now. <laughs> well, you want to go halftime show? Well, I'll tell you like this. It was the best halftime show that I've ever seen in my life. I got Prince 2. I got Beyonce 3. Mm. And we are going to leave y'all the only way we know how. (laughs) And that is to what? Stay woke and and go go in. (laughs) 